0: Hello, hello, friends and gamers. On this episode of the Web3 Gamer, I got to talk with some amazing people at one of my top favorite companies and one of my top favorite games going to be coming out of here soon. You know, I won't reveal too much. But the people I talked to were amazing. And this has been one of my favorite interviews I've done to date. The people I talked to were Max and Coop. Coop is the founder and CEO of Earn Alliance and Last Remains, and Max, also known as Guru, is the head of eSports and growth for Last Remains. Earn Alliance is shaping a future where games can positively transform the lives of billions by building communities and tools to inspire and empower gamers to unlock their full potential in Web3. As the founder of Earn Alliance and Last Remains, Coop has more than 20 years' experience in game development and a long history of successfully leading and launching mobile games. Max is a longtime leader and creator who's been pioneering Web3 games since 2020. Having worked with iconic Web3 games such as Axie Infinity, he's now teaming up with Coop to build and grow Last Remains. And look, guys, it was clear to me in this conversation that these guys are both and have been gamers for such a long time, and they're really doing their best to build this amazing ecosystem for gamers and for people who really want to pioneer and create new worlds, new ways of doing things, want to have that community mindset. I truly believe in this project long-term, and I have had nothing but great experiences working with any of these people on previous projects or companies I've worked with in the past. They set the bar and standard, in my opinion, for how all Web3 companies should operate in terms of gaming. This was not long enough to talk to them, but... You know, I had to be respectful of their time, and I'm really looking forward to having them on again here soon to discuss it more when the game fully launches. Until then, I really hope you enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it with Max and Coop. Truly, two amazing people in the Web3 gaming space. My name is Matthew, and this is The Web3 Gamer. Ever find yourself neck deep in a game only to realize the zombie apocalypse has started? We've got you covered. Introducing Zombie Gone. The only repellent proven to keep the undead, well, dead. Spritz a little Zombie Gone on and those pesky zombies won't be able to detect that juicy brain of yours letting you game on in peace. Crafted from a blend of post-apocalyptic herbs and a hint of gamer sweat, this repellent is a must-have for any dedicated gamer. Plus, for our eco-conscious listeners, you'll be glad to know it's 100% organic. Zombie gone. When you're playing for keeps, keep the zombies away. Hello, hello, friends and gamers. I am Matthew Simone, the Web3 gamer. I am here with Max and Coop from Earn Alliance. How are you guys doing today?
1: Doing good over here, based in Hong Kong. Just waking up. Thank you for letting me get my coffee. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, things are good over here, too. I'm on literally the opposite side of the world from Coop, so I'm in Canada on the far west coast. It is literally the evening for me right now, but... Things are great. I'm happy to be here.
0: That's cool. I'm in North America on the East Coast, so we're all from different places right now, but it is also the evening for me, so no complaints. I'm a night owl myself. But Thanks for uh, taking the time to chat with me. I'm really looking forward to delving in for my and your fans alike about Earn Alliance and about uh, your flagship game, if I can call it that, uh, Last Remains. But honestly, if you all want to give us a background on what Earn Alliance is And how you built it and its history and background, I'd love to hear it for our listeners. Yeah,
1: sure. Um, So we were born out of the Axie Infinity era of guilds. So it all started with a glass of wine, Googling uh, a bit on on Reddit and uh, finding out about how you can buy Axie Infinity assets and get people to yield uh, SLP. And uh, within 24 hours, we posted a form. Got a bunch of people to apply in the morning, 800 applications. I was like, whoa, this is insane. And then we got a bunch of people to join the guild. And next thing you know, we're 350 people farming in Axie. It was a pretty awesome, humbling experience. How uh, We killed it in 2021. And um, then we all know where that's at today. If, if you are uh, deep in the Web3 space, we don't have to get into the dirty details and the good details of where Ron is going. Um, so... In terms of where we went from there is that we were building tools. So I'm an engineer first turned product turned entrepreneur over the years. And uh, we were building tools to manage our assets in Axie Infinity. So you can imagine understanding the performance of which Axie is actually the meta. Is it performing well? Which players are using it well? Um, Are they doing it like pretty good compared to everybody else on the blockchain. So you can actually compare the top 100 people with your people and your guild and see like where they're at in terms of performance. Um, So we made all these awesome tools. uh, And then uh, Axie Infinity kind of went downhill at the time. And we needed to figure out what could we do for the Web3 industry, Web3 game industry in particular. And that's where we decided let's take a step back and create Earn Alliance. And Earn Alliance is a community platform that aggregates anything and everything Web3 um so instead of a game needing to post and join us as a partner we have a community and team that goes out and curates content for all web3 games we have found 2800 games in the industry so far i believe that's all there is uh, of course there's more coming every day but it's going to be if we're going to look back at this post and be like wow 2800 this is bleeding edge beginning and uh, we create content. Uh, we focus on what the game has to offer versus what is the floor price, what are the NFTs available, and all the other stuff. We aggregate tweets, Discord, announcement, Twitter spaces. We have our own launch pad for NFTs. And soon we'll be aggregating
0: Web3 markets. Yeah. I mean, you really earn er- er- alliance from just my brief workings with you has really been this all encompassing marketplace. To say the least, really, but more so this all encompassing, I feel like somebody could come to you and just have like a vague idea of what they want to do. And you're like, we pretty much got you covered from start to end of people to advise you people to help do the development people to help you create your NFT. I mean, it literally feels like there's almost nothing y'all can't do or aren't trying to do with your platform, as well as host the games and obviously get people interested in wanting to play.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's where we're at right now. I feel like the whole industry is in this learning phase that we all need to help each other. We need to share, you know, game industry experience from tech experience, whatever it takes to to essentially get us to the next level. And most importantly, Web3 enthusiasts need to be able to find these games that are honestly hidden under rocks. Right. Uh, it's just recently that Google Play allowed NFT games and, and Apple stores just starting to let them in, but it's still pretty restricted. Um, so again, it's pretty hard to find these cool things out there and hopefully Earn alliance can make it easier.
0: Yeah. And is that something that you think down the line you would like to consider is almost having your own, you know, maybe when it's allowable personalized app, like as a way for people to integrate with your platform, or is it more so you're kind of just trying to be the hosting space and letting other people have their own individual apps rather, and not working towards having your own hosted app platform space.
1: Yeah, I look at it as, um, well, first of all, we have an app uh, that just came out, but we don't advertise it. It's still like, we like to release things really early and raw, so we give it to our community first. Um, Of course, it's open and transparent. Everybody can go download it right now on the app stores, uh, but you'll see it's far behind, you know, the features and functionality that the web app has, uh, but that's going to change very soon. Um, So yeah, app-wise is the path. And how I look at us is that, when people say, well, what are you going to do against HyperPlay? What are you going to do against Magic Heat and all these places? And I really look at us as the aggregator of aggregators. Like we're going to be sitting at the top and we're going to be pushing users and discoverability to anybody and everybody in the space. And we don't want to be the place where people have to be uh, because it is going to, everybody has an offering. Everybody has a value that they can have in this space. So we don't want to kind of take away from that. So we really look at ourselves as a companion for your Web3 journey. I can imagine people doing tournament-style stuff on their phone and like registering through our app while playing on their PC, or you know, then they click the play and it goes to the app and your in your phone. Um, so we're always just going to be kind of a companion uh, to to both games and then other platforms. Well,
0: and arguably that that is the move to make because re- realistically, even in traditional gaming, it's almost like every platform or every sort of service complements one another. Nobody. You could argue they're all trying to compete, obviously, for market space, but I mean, Discord knows it's a companion app, yet everybody loves to use it and everyone loves to take advantage of it, but by no means are they trying to take over the market in any way. They're not opposed to the people using other ways of chatting or hosting. It's just they know their market well enough and they know that people interuse it while doing other things, um, whether it's on their phone or on their desktop or I mean, gosh, I remember when Discord first came out and it was um, if you weren't a PC gamer, like nobody knew what it was and nobody played on it. And it was still like very new and raw then. And it's just really funny how you'll meet people who don't play PC games, who just use Discord to chat with their friends, as opposed to like yeah. having a text group or like WhatsApp or something. So it's funny how it's become this, like you've said, you're, you've, you've made it this companion app or this um, this parallel app in tandem with your interests or what you're doing that can even far exceed outside the Venn diagram. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's exactly it. Discord's a great, great analogy. And I remember when it first came out, I'm not sure how, how old everybody's in the room, but I remember thinking, oh, it's just another Ventrilo, it's another TeamSpeak. And then it's amazing how something free could really change everything, right? And just like free-to-play games, you know, everybody's like, well, how are you going to make money? And then next thing you know, people are all doing
2: free-to-play. I remember Welcome. those days, by the way. I actually used a lot of Ventrilo before Discord came out. When Discord first came out, I'm like, what is this? Like, I'm still a little jaded. And then I got into it. I'm like, all right, I'm totally hooked. This is dope. <laughs> Cancel my Ventrilo server. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: yeah, and it's hard, too, because when something first comes out, I think anybody has a healthy dose of skepticism being like, oh, what's different? Like, I, I just thought I was like, oh, Discord's just like you said, like Ventrilo I was like, it's just another server hosting app. It's just another like messaging app. I was like, it's not really like what's going to draw people to want to use this over that. And um, I probably didn't use it for like six months to a year till I had more and more friends using it. And then when I got and was using it with people, I was like, oh, this is way better in a lot of ways. And I was like, oh, I get it now. So it is funny how sometimes you need that, like, not mass adoption, but you need a couple other people to just be like, nah, give it a try. Like we're all using it. It's pretty great versus maybe on your own. It's not something you would fully venture into because you're like i don't know like it just doesn't seem that different from what i'm already doing it's almost like the old man approach and like i'm not an old man i'm, I'm literally only 30 but you're just like ah if it, if it ain't broke don't fix it so like why go to the new thing and sometimes you don't realize the uh the things you're missing out on rather until you go and use it well i mean if there's anything else y'all want to say about earn alliance i'm all ears but i feel like you've given us a great background on what it is and what y'all stand for and what you're trying to do with it
1: Yeah, I think there's not much to add. Um, I think the the only thing I can share is just the care package and our airdrops uh, are coming out in the next, I would say, starting in September. And the whole ethos around it is to refer gamers into the Web3 game space. Because if we're all going to be realistic here, I believe there's more Web3 enthusiasts, uh, NFT holders, PFP traders, in this space than there are gamers even though deep down i believe everybody's a gamer who has touched you know poker or monopoly or you know whatever go fish like we've all touched a game in some way shape or form um but actually bringing the gamers and referring them that have steam accounts riot accounts and games on their phone is going to be uh pretty big um and that's what we're going to be doing is helping incentivize people to refer gamers into the space so
0: that's what's coming up next for us awesome well, that's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. So then, I mean, I know we kind of briefly touched earlier for both of y'all, like a little, little bit of background. But I mean, if you want to delve deep, like you want to tell your origin story, I mean, I think everybody loves hearing origin stories. Like really, like where are you originally from? Like what was your background that got you to where you are today? Um, and like, how did you even get involved in this project? Were, were you even before any of this, like a crypto fan? Were you a Web3 fan? Were you an NFT fan? Curious to hear it from both of y'all.
2: Take it away, Coop. I'll uh, go afterwards, because I think it's funny how my story actually blends into why you and I are even working together. So you can start it off, and then I'll I'll jump on top of it.
1: Sure, sure. Um, so my story is pretty quick. Uh, yes, yeah, started when I was nine years old, modding StarCraft maps. And that's where I learned how to script. And next thing you know, I was scripting maps more than I was playing StarCraft. Um, then it evolved into modding MMORPGs and creating private servers. And that's where I joined IRC communities well before any of those, you know, voice chat rooms really existed um, and started learning Java from people who were doing their master's degrees online in Poland. They were teaching me how to, you know, program when I was 14 years old. Um, So that really just got me boots, like, I guess, a head start in my both career and passion uh, because I was able to find and get addicted to engineering and software engineering at a young age. And started making my own games because we had awesome things like Unity. Um, there's the Torque Engine that was out at the time. And then Unreal you know, had their $500,000 license that nobody was touching other than the big studios. Um, but that's where I started. And throughout time, the private server started making money. And that's where I became an entrepreneur and hiring people and then evolved into making my own game studios. Um, so fast forwarding to today, I've done five different game studios um, and then one SaaS startup, past startup, uh, which was like a Heroku for Kubernetes for you nerds out there. Um, but long story short, we made it easier to ship code for engineers into the cloud. Um, two companies got acquired, one to PokerStars. Uh, so we had the second largest real money casino called Jungly Games in India. So I spent a lot of time in India, which was amazing. And then uh, Kinto Hub, that uh, platform as a service, uh, got sold to Square or Cash App. Um, so now we're doing Earn Alliance, and uh, we're mixing my love for uh, community and actual building games with Last Remains. So we'll talk a bit more about Last Remains later.
2: Yeah, uh, mine not nearly as fantastic. Obviously, I haven't had any huge acquisitions to a company as big as Poker Stars, but uh, my background is very business-centric. So before I got into Web3, I was actually running my own consulting firm. And uh, one of the reasons why I even started doing anything in Web3 is because I identified blockchain as an emerging market that I really wanted to get my hands in before everyone else. So like anybody who wants to try and get into a market, I started following every bit of information I could. This was like early 2020. And one of those pieces of information led me to a game I think everybody in this space knows at this point in time, and that's Axie Infinity. So I started playing Axie back when we had like anywhere from 5 to 10k people playing the game. Uh, Gas fees were absolutely atrocious. I didn't think the game would ever survive if you had to pay hundreds of dollars to do everything multiple times. But I don't know, part of me really loved it. And my background, I mean, I've been a gamer my whole life. And I actually used to play um, competitive Call of Duty back when I was quite young. And then I actually moved that into playing professional League of Legends. So I played in the CSL League out here in Western Uh, North America and it was a lot of fun I played for about three years incredibly difficult could never take it to the professional level that some of these people do so at a certain point in time I decided to give that up even sold my gaming computer and ironically enough my venture into business and consulting brought me right back around into gaming and I'll never forget the day I bought my new gaming computer afterwards because I got into Axie started making a little bit of connections started making YouTube videos which is the reason I even met Coop one of his uh, like our head of product TIFF Um, She was a big fan of my YouTube videos back in the day. I was one of the early people who was making videos on Axie Infinity and Web3 Gaming, so she introduced the two of us. And yeah, I remember I bought my new gaming PC with ETH, by the way. It was quite an interesting experience buying a, a computer with crypto. Definitely one of the best performing assets in my portfolio, I will say. It's still worth more than most of the NFTs I hold, but... You know, full circle, I created my own community, MTTM. Uh, I started doing some advisory work with Axie, uh, a few other games, Cypher, Tribally, um, a few few different projects too, like art-based projects with some of my connections in the art space. And then Coop shielded me on a really awesome looking game called Last Remains. He uh, hit me up one day and said, hey, come play this game. And I think i was probably one of the first people to ever play it coop it was like me and spike playing it it was really really raw um i murdered spike didn't mean to but i guess it was an open pvp so i did it and the one thing that stuck with me is it was just so good like the game itself no nfts nothing involved i just really liked it um and then one thing led to another we started chatting a bit more things started picking up speed and at a certain point in time, I decided I was going to come and help a little bit more full time with Last Remains and start leading things on the esports and growth and content side. And now here we are working a little bit with the Arn Alliance team and still have my heart with Last Remains. Can't wait to show everybody all the work that we've been putting in and how much the game has changed, even since the last time we've been public with it. So that's where we are now.
0: Wow, those are both amazing backstories. So uh, don't sell yourself short there, Max. Um, I, I really enjoyed both those. I would have never guessed that um, you were literally trying to get professionally involved in esports at any point in time. But again, I you can't, I don't know, you can't tell what anybody's doing just by looking at them, you know. But that's really cool. Honestly, um, props to you and any of the conventions I go to around here when I um, whenever they bring in any of the esport players and I'm like, they're here all multiple days of the convention playing nonstop i'm just like people give them grief i'm like you have no idea how hard it is i don't even pretend to understand how hard it is one to have that kind of drive that focus and to just be like oh, i played video games for fun and now it's my job so like sometimes your job isn't as fun as you want it to be sometimes it's a blast all the time so i i definitely can see how that could take kind of a drag on some people who might get into it thinking expecting one thing and it ends up becoming another so i have nothing but respect for esports. Um, I'm terrible at following it, I'll be totally honest. Um, but I'm also really bad about following regular sports. I like to watch, but uh people are like, what's going on? Who's doing good? I'm like, I have no idea. I just enjoy the plays, I just enjoy the game, you know. So um definitely a fan of it. But well then that leads me to ask since Max, you kind of touched on it. But I believe this question applies to both of y'all that um, you would both consider yourself gamers, and if so, like what were some of your favorite games growing up? Currently, what, what were some that inspired you? Coop, I know you mentioned StarCraft, obviously, but like were there? And you, uh, Max, you you mentioned COD a bit there, but were there any games that just like really inspired you to? maybe get into more of what you are doing now? And then are there any games currently, besides obviously Last Remains for both of you, that you're still enjoying to play that you can in your free time? And if, if you're not considering yourself a gamer, then like, why create a game instead of creating something else
2: in this space? Here, go ahead first, Coop, but I think both you and I identify heavily as gamers. Me and Cooper are always nerding, and I'm literally in his DMs like, yo, man, when we play a TFT, and he's like, we're too busy, we'll do it later. But anyway, go yeah. ahead, Coop, you take it away.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 it's crazy. But once you move over to Asia, we'll have a, a little more time overlap. But um, yeah, so StarCraft, definitely spent thousands of hours on there. Um, I think I got to... Almost, uh, so definitely pl- Diamond. Yeah, uh, Diamond with 1-on-1 and 2v2 in, in StarCraft, both in StarCraft 1, or StarCraft 2, essentially. There was no ranking in StarCraft 1. But I was playing uh, ranked in StarCraft 1, and I don't remember where, you know, whatever that was, the ELO you know, score and all that stuff was back then. But um, then there's Counter-Strike. So there was a online league that I was playing for, the Cal League. Um, so I did get the Cal I-M. And that was the highest that I got. So, this is like IRC channels matching a pretty like, professional league that was going on at the time before, you know, esports was really a major thing. Definitely spent 5,000 plus hours on Counter Strike, all the way from 1.3 to 1.6. And then there's Lineage 2. So, that was where the private server world came. And then I also spent thousands of hours, you know, playing and grinding in that with Ion. So, I'm a huge NCSoft fan. Um, Pretty much any game that they make, uh, I don't know why, Hardcore Korean Grinders is just my therapy, so that's just where I'm at. Um, And then I took a break from gaming uh, for a while because I was really deep into the mobile games, and I just really couldn't fall in love with anything other than Clash Royale. And then came right back, League of Legends and TFT have been really deep in my soul since my wife plays. She's the one that actually brought me into that area um out of all people and um yeah i definitely have thousands of hours now on tft over the years since season zero so it's been uh it's been an
2: amazing journey i love it we're gonna have to play some tft actually it's funny i'm the opposite i brought my other half into tft and now she's addicted and now she's higher ranked than me i'm like what's going on here relax i gotta catch up to you We We'll do 2v2 man so then there's no you know no yeah there we go we'll do it <laughs> we'll definitely do it um, but ugh, how do I even start when it comes to games? Let me just throw it out there that my entire life has been so dynamic. I'm the kind of guy that'll go from playing horror games to shooting games to like Final Fantasy to Zelda. Like I play everything under the sun, right? I played almost too many games if you ask me. Um, but some of the ones that obviously sit very, very close to my heart. Coop, you mentioned one that is just huge. Um, I was a huge Starcraft fan back in the day too. Never played Starcraft 2 ever I I touched it like once during the early demo phases and then was just I had probably played two, three thousand hours of SC1 that I just I couldn't touch it anymore. And like all the Age of Empires, Command and Conquers, like RTS for me, I think I burnt myself out for a decade in RTS games, but I love it. It sits so close to my heart um other than that though i think some of the games i was a lot more of a mmorpg fan so i played my world of warcrafts um you were on lineage 2 i did touch lineage a bit but i also played a game called conquer which was a huge chinese derivative mmo it was very pay to win um but thankfully i was very skilled at the game so i got some sponsors who were like hey let us outfit your character and you go win all the tournaments for us and we'll profit share i was like one of the early stage scholars when i was like 12 13 years old um so i did that played quite well And then what really got me into gaming, like what really opened my eyes to the bigger world of gaming was definitely Call of Duty. So I started playing Call of Duty in the early MLG League. So I was playing a lot of MLG and all of that was very ad hoc, right? Like I technically, legally should not have even been able to be signed to a team, but it didn't matter back then. Like regulation was not even a thing. We're talking like way early, like 2010, 2011. (laughs) Uh, There was nothing, right? (laughs) (laughs) But I loved it. And I I started to see what it was like to be a professional gamer at that point. And it appealed to me, especially since I did relatively well. You know, I was a young kid, my reactions were all over the place. And I was playing shooting games. Um, But I gave it up after a little while, because it really was really hard. And I could not commit to taking it to the next level. Once we actually got into like COD League, I gave it up. But what got me back in was League of Legends. So I started playing League of Legends. Uh, It was actually my friend, Oriel, who's a really, really close friend of mine in the Web3 space. He shilled me on the game and threw me in 1v1s with him for like two weeks, just kicking my ass, making sure that I learned how to play this game. And I learned the hard way. Well, that seemed to work because, you know, in a matter of a couple of years, I was playing professionally out here in Western Canada. um, And that started in a funny way. You mentioned, Matt, that you go to conventions and see people playing games. That's how I got scouted. I actually went to anime convention in Vancouver. And there was this League of Legends tournament happening and they needed somebody to come and play. Not even my main role it was jungle and I'm a mid laner. So I was like, all right, just throw me in. I'll play. And I swept like I literally swept the game at the very end. We ended up taking third. We got we got Western Canada is crazy for players, by the way. There's really good players. Um, But we got to we got to semis. We ended up getting knocked out and then we took third. But I was just sweeping the floor. And afterwards, actually, I had some guys come over and come talk to me and say, hey, you know, you did really well. What do you do? Do you, do you play? Like, are you professional? Are you in CSL? And I'm like, I didn't even know what any of this meant. I was like, no, dude, I play I play League of Legends with my boys. I play ARAM and Summoner's Rift with the boys. I, I don't know what you're talking about. So uh, they jumped on a call with me and said, hey, we'd really love to be able to get you into our team. And this was actually really cool for me because this was pre-scholarship, but it was kind of like when they started doing um, collegiate scholarships for people in universities. And the university that I was going to at the time was one of the universities that was trying to kickstart the CSL scholarship program. So they ended up telling me, hey, look, you go to this university, we'd love to get you on the team, get you to come and do some gaming with us, do some scrims. And that just opened a whole can of worms for me. I was so focused on it that honestly, I think I lacked a little bit in my studies because I was focusing so much on league. But that was also when I realized just how much effort it takes to do something like this professionally. And at a certain point in time, even though I loved it over the years I played it, I decided to put it in the back burner until I got back into Axie. So I think the games that really opened my eyes and inspired me to do things competitively like Last Remains and see the value in esports is definitely Call of Duty and League of Legends. Um, but right now my gaming is TFT. I still play it regularly. Um, I play a lot of Escape from Tarkov. If you know that game, it is crazy difficult. And it actually has made me pretty good at Last Remains because they're both very similar game types. Whereas Tarkov's a shooter, Last Remains is third person. But the strategy and the survival is very similar. Um, And then on top of that, I just have some fun playing League of Legends still. But very casually, I do not do anything competitive anymore. So those would be the games I play right now. And I love it. I absolutely love playing games. So I don't think that'll ever end. I'll have gray white hair and I'll probably still be teaching my grandkids how to play video games. So that's where I'm going to be my whole life.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be great when the retirement homes are just full of people at their gaming PC desks. Yeah. <laughs> everybody's everybody's <laughs> in their own lobbies playing together. Also, too, just for people who don't know, do you wanna uh, do you wanna tell people what TFT the acronym stands for? I know. I was saying.
1: I was thinking the same thing after <laughs> I said it. Yeah, it's so Teamfight Tactics, which is okay. a derivative of Auto Chess, which also started as a mod. I love how games start as mods and like you know Counterstrike's a mod of Half Life, and you know, then even Dota. And all this other stuff, I won't go through the list of mods, but, um, but yeah, it's an auto chess. Uh, if you haven't played auto chess before, it's super
2: fun. It is fun, yeah. difficult, but you don't need the reactions for auto chess. You just need the brain power. So
1: yeah, yeah, you there. can hold a baby and still play. It's, it, it works. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I pretty much got into it after I had kids. <laughs>
2: No, which is
0: fair. That's there. That I totally get, and I've spoken to so many people who are that way. I don't have kids, full disclosure. But I've met so many people who, once they had kids, they're like, you know, I was amazed how I never used to touch, like, easy to jump in. doesn't have to be casual, just I can jump in, play a bit, and get out. I was like, oh, all, all about the story, all about this. And they're like, once I have kids, I'm like, I don't have time for that. Unfortunately, they're like, so now, like, I still want a game, and this is, like, the perfect opportunity to be able to jump in, play for a bit, jump out, and be like, I still got it in, and I had my fun. So I totally understand that, respect that.
1: For everybody as we all get older. I mean, I think you just predicted the future of land centers, man. It's going to be the elderly ones. <laughs> that's, I think that's my next business when I'm like 50, 60 for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, so then, let honestly, let's get into, since now I've got some great background with y'all, let's get into Last Remains. So, like, is there a lore, like a story with a lore behind Last Remains? Like, is there a specific way, like, you intend people to play or just have, like, the play style? Like, any and all details. Like, feel free to enlighten people. Yeah, how about you tap on that, Max?
2: Yeah, we'll do. I mean, I'll leave the lore a little bit to you because you do a damn good job and you are a bit of the mastermind with Larry on this, but I'll talk more on the gameplay and a very light touch on the lore. So the lore itself, um, at, at a surface level, it is a zombie game, right? You can see the zombies in it. Um, and at the moment, you're only seeing very basic level zombies, like zombies that you'd see in like a daisy, right? Like very realistic, mainstream Hollywood zombies. We're not talking about like Resident Evil mutant zombies, at least not at this point. Um, but I will say we've definitely got some crazy stuff in the bag coming out that are not just going to be brain dead zombies running after you and getting stopped by a car. So make sure that you keep your eyes open for that. But the game itself is very, it's very modern. And it's based in a realistic location. So the team is actually based in Chongqing. And they have developed this map around the city itself. So if you're familiar with the, with that geographic, um, you're going to actually see a lot of things that stand out to you. So my, my fiancé is actually Chinese, and she's very familiar with Chongqing. And she'll see things when we play and be like, oh, look at this, this is Chongqing hotpot. Like, this is famous. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that, right? But um, I got to give a shout out to the team for putting those things in because it makes it feel really good. But the one thing that really stands out in Last Remains is that it feels like this is a fresh apocalypse. Like, if you're rolling around, things are not, you know, the last of us. It's not this post-apocalyptic nature has overtaken the world kind of place. It's not very daisy like it's very much like we just had a zombie apocalypse go down in the modern day. And this feels really cool because you can tell that it's intentional and I'm not going to give too, too much reason behind that because that's part of the story that we're going to unravel through the game, but it's meant to be that way, right? Like the, the, the environment, the theme, the design of it, the direction, it's very intentional. So that's the one thing that I'll say about it, but the gameplay is what really shines to me. So I mentioned that I play Escape from Tarkov. If anybody is familiar with that game. You'll know that it is one of the most world famous, challenging um, but innovative games that started this extraction game style. So you essentially load into a map, you go through the map with whatever you can get in the map or bring into it in, in Tarkov's case, and you're trying to loot things, complete quests, maybe have some PvP, a little bit of PvE, and get out alive. So that's the whole thing. You gotta go in, accomplish what you're trying to do, hopefully get rich. You know, if you can if you can bring some good stuff out, you can make some big money. Then you have to survive an extract and you do it all over again right so this is it, it is a unique genre because it is not quite battle royale but it's extraction in its own right now where last remains really changes this and i like it because it makes the game feel a lot easier to onboard new players into is that we put a battle royale spin on that extraction game style where it's the same thing you're coming in you're trying to loot you're trying to get gear you're trying to get different items valuables and then extract but the kicker here is You don't come in with your giga-chad gear that you've been grinding over 5,000 hours over the year, right? You're not just, like, absolutely unkillable in Class 6 armor with a meta gun that costs $5 million. You come in with nothing. It's a battle royale. You start in the same position everyone else does. You're thrown into a random area in Chongqing. You're looting around for weapons, items, consumables to keep yourself alive. And, at the same time, everybody else is. So you're all on this equal playing field that feels very... Though it's not easy, I will say it is challenging, it feels a lot better for people to come in no matter what level you are and be able to compete on an equal playing field. So I like this a lot because that is my one complaint with most extraction games these days is that it snowballs into these late season metas that are not friendly for bringing in new players. Like if I tried to get somebody into Tarkov right now, they'd be like, dude, I got one shot. I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy shot you with bullets worth $3 million. Sorry, man. He's like, I have 100K in my stash. I'm like, yeah, dude, th- that's this game. I'm sorry. Um, but Last Remains really does a good job of trying to make that easier for people. Now, the game itself, though, it has a PvP VE style. So it is very PvP, but also PvE, where you're going to be fighting the zombies. And they're not easy to deal with. Um, if you If you mess around with them and you get cornered or you get a bunch of them on you, they will eat you. But at the same time, you have other players who have the same challenge of dealing with the zombies, but also wanting to get you and be able to kill you to get your gear, because it's much easier to just kill somebody else who's been looting, take their gear, potentially something really valuable and get out. So I like this dynamic, but where it makes it a little bit more strategic rather than just, oh, my mechanics are better than you, is that there's a huge stealth and parkour element in the game. So it's very stealthy. Sound is a big factor. Your sight and visibility, like flashlight, the lighting in the map, all of this is a very big factor in the game for you to keep in mind. And then the parkour is just the cherry on top of the icing. Because we have a really, really fun parkour system that once you get good at it, you can just do things that are mind-boggling in the game. Like you can travel from one end of a neighborhood all the way to another end without ever touching the ground. Just like going over, um, it could be streetlights, going over like rooftops, signs, all sorts of crazy stuff. So in the hands of a really competitive or skilled player, you see some cool things happening, which makes it very entertaining, right? So I digress, there's a lot to unpack here, but really what it is is we've taken some well-known and well-appreciated genres, and we've tried to blend them together into something that is a nice blend Mm -hmm of rewarding competitive gameplay but at the same time making it something you can bring somebody into and introduce new players to without too much of a learning curve to bring them in and all around keeping things fresh through the dynamic experience of stealth pvp pve and of course the growing aspect of quests that are going to be introduced into the game that help to unpack the lore that larry coop and the rest of the team have been working very carefully on so coop if you want to take it away from there and touch a bit on the lore um, I think gameplay I probably covered pretty well.
1: Um, maybe while while it's fresh, if, if you had any questions on on everything Max just unpacked there, I think he just pretty much spewed out spewed out the whole jazz. And I'll touch base on Laura, But if you had any fresh questions, happy to answer that too.
0: Um, I think the only question I really had was, um, you know, from your website, you kind of have and maybe this isn't the best time to unpack this, but we can't, is it looks like you have, you created NFTs for people to get in who have no, who don't really care to do anything other than play the game versus you have NFTs based at players who you expect to be long-term players. And I'm wondering if there was a reason why you felt the need to create that tiered system other than wanting to allow people, like you said, you want anyone to be able to come in and play. You don't want to have any barriers or issues getting people to come in and be able to play. But I'm wondering if there was, what are the future thoughts for those tiers? If if that's the proper thing to call them is tiers.
1: Yeah, we can... Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what, what to call them exactly, but that's a good way of describing it. So you have our free-to-play, um, which ha- is, hasn't been available because the game's not out. Um, but when the game comes out, you could play for free, install the game on the Epic Games launcher, and just go in. No wallets, no third-party accounts. You play like a normal game. We actually just applied for Steam recently as well, so... Um, which will be like a non-NFT version of the game. So we do really want this to feel like a game, which is a—it's what Web three is. Web three games will become in in the long run. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna start that basis. Just our first era has been talking about let's activate the Web three game community as it is today. Really incentivize them to help us build a community and build essentially a, a culture around this game, and then move on to what does this look like in a traditional game publishing and, and advertising? So everything's going to be changing very soon. Um, so that's the first tier free to play. And then you have this next tier, which is called character NFTs or character passes. And um, these are the non Genesis ones. So these are just normal characters. And these characters are essentially battle passes in their own right. So if you're familiar with battle passes, I know Max and I are from team fight tactics. Um, this is where, you are it's actually a very novel game design as a game designer I, I fall in love with all this stuff is that you're incentivizing the user to put in time to play your game and progress and you level up your pass and every time you hit a goal or a milestone on your pass you get some sort of guaranteed reward um, and this is really good because that means you can exchange your time for a reward and maybe that rewards an nft such as like cool clothing maybe it's an emote where you can like point your middle finger at somebody after you, like, destroy them. Um, you know, there's all kinds of cool stuff that will come into the content as we keep going. So every character has a time-limited battle pass, which are going to be for everything, every single season. Um, so you have a time limit of how long you can unlock those rewards. So it's really like, you know, get the level 30 within the next 30 days or 60 days, and boom, you'll get all those rewards. Um, so the other thing that a battle pass does is anything that you do extract – during the, the pass's lifetime, which is, you know, let's just say 60 days right now, um, you will be able to bring that to the blockchain. So you need an active pass to be able to bring anything that you've extracted out. Free-to-play characters, anything that they extract, they can use. Life's good, but they, it's stuck on their account. It's known as soulbound. And you'll play the game just as normal. You can think of it as like free-to-play games. You can buy to speed up time. Um, so you can you know buy some gems, you can open some chests, you can you know essentially speed up the time to kind of you know progress faster. Um, but you can play free to play and just keep going all the way to the end in that slow grind. You know the Korean MMO guy coming out of me right there, and uh, and you can do that too. So that's how we look at it free to play. You can get everything everything available within the game as long as you put in the time. Battle passes unlocks Web three for you, and then there's the Genesis. So we do have these Genesis characters that we gave out, Well, not gave out, those was purchasable um, back in May. And those are lifetime battle passes. So if you're familiar with Teamfight Tactics, you got to rebuy in a new pass every season. A Genesis is like a lifetime pass to Disneyland. You get the go. Any pass that comes out, you get access to it. Anything you extract on season, off season, you can bring it to the blockchain. It's just an unlimited fun pass for you. So that's why we have developed these three you know ways and um, yeah I think that's that's pretty much it.
0: No, that's awesome. That that definitely puts in perspective. So then now to backtrack, what's the lore behind the game? Yeah, so the
1: lore. Um, so the the thing is, we we've been interviewed several times and we we aren't given much uh, on the lore. I think what I will highlight is that Max said this is the you know the ground zero of a apocalypse and to really detail that if you i'm sitting here in Hong Kong right now and i'm like looking down downstairs and if i see the first person get eaten or like the 10th person get eaten that's what we mean by like ground zero is that it just started and it's starting here so it's not something that you've heard on the news so you are actually in the city of where it's starting and it's starting now and when you join the game, it's literally probably within the first few hours of this apocalypse. Um, so that's the basis of it. So a lot of people are like, this doesn't look like a zombie game. Everything's so clean. But there's a damn good reason why everything's so clean. Um, the second thing um, you'll notice is the way that you spawn and the way that the website's like themes are. Um, there is a bit of a style that looks like somebody kind of messed up and wasn't focusing on, you know, staying in an apocalyptic world. Um, if you pay attention to all those little details, those are all everything's on purpose is, is what I have to say. And this lore will be unlocked throughout the season. So actually, the gamers will be getting these things within the game that not only are they extracting items, but they are able to find things that are related to the lore and piecing those things together will unlock the story of what was season zero about. And it will unlock a lot more information about those little hints and those things that just kind of look out of place. Um, And by the end of season zero, it will make a lot more sense of like, what is this world and what is actually happening. And then you're going to go down a rabbit hole of, of pretty interesting stories. So this is our take is a, you know, we're wanting it to be a surprise and that's, you know, as a film buff, I love surprises and magic boxes. Um, but B, as a startup, um, we also need to make sure we spend our time in the right places, which is making the game fun versus the lore. So we are, you know, focused on combat right now as an example. Um, but we do have a, a heart and a place for for making the story, you know, really fun over time. It's also similar to how and why we're doing Ching is that, usually in a game design process, you need a concept artist that draws out the world and like what it looks like. And then somebody makes it into, you know, 3d. What we're actually doing is we're going outside the streets of the office, taking pictures of the world and building it in real life uh, or in the virtual world. Um, So that's, uh, that's, what's uh, also just
0: time saving for a startup. I have to say. Well, and and three things there. So one is what I really liked. Max kind of covered this earlier, but the overall vibe, especially being ground zero, is I feel like your Last Remains is the only zombie game that truly captures like the desperation of being in finding yourself in the throes of a zombie apocalypse. Because usually like every zombie apocalypse game is like, People are like well established, they're like rough around the edges, they're like hard, and they're like, Oh, yeah, I've like lived through this, I know how to deal with it. Like, the only reason I'm still here is like, I was a hard one, everyone else died because they like couldn't handle it. Whereas, I like this because this feels more realistic of like, you're just thrown into it, whether you survive or die is completely on you. Like, you may, you may not. Um, and I really liked that feeling, and I really like that idea because I feel like it has not been done in any zombie apocalypse game or really movie I've ever seen. Uh, I appreciate you not spilling the lore ahead because I also hate spoilers as as a big fan of film and games. Um, and I like that you have this like trickle out effect because it makes me. I'm a big fan of the All the Souls series, and so I always love how nothing is ever direct in that game. Or even when they give you direct cutscene, you're like, I have no idea what's going on, and you have to piece things together and really figure it out. And I mean, there's people who literally make their living off their YouTube channels breaking down and extensively discussing and just basically helping people who are like, I could not figure out how to piece the lore together. They're like, don't worry, I have a three-hour YouTube video that explains everything from start to end. And and people love it, and they eat it up. And I think that's a great thing. Um, so I really like that idea, too. And then three, I really like that a lot of people, I feel like when they make their games, it's never their home turf. It's always either you know a far distant land, or it's obviously an imaginary world. But I think there's something to be said for... It's on your home turf. It's a place you're familiar with. It makes, I think, it makes it all that more special to y'all to develop with and create on. And I also think it's cool that it's based off a real place. Um, you know, there's a lot of games that are based off real places. You know, like Spider Man is based off New York City, and you're like, people are like, yeah, look, there's like, here's this real building in New York City that's actually in the game and things of that nature. But um, I feel like more often than not, in the Web three space, it feels more fantastical. And so people are people always they're like, oh, well, people be bored of real life places. People want to see these fantastic, amazing fantasy worlds. Um, So I really like the idea that it's your home turf and that it is an actual real place. And as you said, I'm sure, yeah, having having it be there and being able to go out and take the picture yourself definitely saves you a lot of time and money as a startup. And so with that, it you kind of are in this middle ground where like you all have developed a traditional game and plan to launch it as such. But you also have Web three, you know, NFT tokenization aspects. And I guess I'm wondering what even made you want to go down that route in the first place of kind of trying to go both roads instead of picking one or the other.
1: Yeah, I think I left the industry when it was extremely competitive uh, for a bit. So just like how Max sold his gaming computer, I stopped making video games uh, for about four years. And that's because when you're making a game for business, you are really like if you're trying to be competitive esports. what game developers are trying to be is either you're making a game that you love and it's a passion project and it's amazing. A perfect example of that is BattleBit. Huge success. Passion project from a small crew turned into one of the most awesome things that are out there right now. And then you have people who are going to get the top charts, who need to make tens of millions back, who want to get in the top 10 in the India app store or global app store. You know, there's And to do that, it's very money heavy, and you have to get your metrics right. You have to get the fun right. You have to hit the dopamine hits. You have to think you're almost a psychologist uh, building and designing these things. Um, and it's a different breed of, of making games. So I got really exhausted from the competitiveness of it. And what I believe Web3 Games does is that, first of all, it adds a new player to the space, which are Web3 enthusiasts. Which they can come and join the economy in very interesting ways by buying and selling assets, by breeding, you know, in the Axie Infinity space. There's all these interesting ways that people can participate on the side, um, being that you know, father with kids or mother with kids who wants to, you know, just trade or you know, do something very casual for the hardcore audience who's you know actually playing hardcore. So I'm just like talking very high level, aspirational here, but there's this new player that can come in participate in the game economy. So I love that. And um, then if that player is a hedge fund or like a massive, you know, whale, our whales are no longer thousands of dollars. Whales is a a game, a game design term of somebody who pays hundreds to thousands of dollars within your ecosystem and free to play. Now we're talking millions, right? I know somebody in Axie Infinity that has spent $5 million on Axies in the last 18 months, just accumulating, literally still active, accumulating, right? So that's the new whales. And um, so first of all, that's awesome, which means that we no longer need ads because free-to-play is riddled with ads. 80% of revenue comes from ads, something that I really hate. And, um, and I also believe you can now, if you bring in the right players, you can have this smaller community of 100,000 gamers and still be very highly successful. You don't need to have millions of gamers or tens of millions of gamers or 100 million gamers. Everybody, I talk to VCs sometimes, they're like, So, how are you going to make Last Remains get 100 million players like Fortnite? I'm like, Wrong person, wrong game. We're not interested in doing that. This is a very gory game. It is not made for anybody under 18. So, we're already like wiping off most of the world that's going to be playing this. Um, so, uh, too long, you know, answer here, but my my passion's being cut up is that. This is a space that you can make what you want. And I believe it can thrive off of smaller communities due to this new player coming in to essentially fund it. And um, that's why we decided web three is the is the way. That's why I got excited to come back and um, and it starts with Last Remains.
0: Yeah, I would say that that really has been the course and part of why I've really enjoyed seeing all the all the companies and games popping up in web3 gaming is it's it's so funny how many people were previous developers on like big ticket games or just for big ticket studios and they're like, "Yeah, I just got tired of the expectations were always so sky high and if we didn't if we didn't meet, you know, metrics as you said, it was well, clearly it wasn't our fault cuz we know how to make and sell great games, it must have fell on y'all for not doing what we said or just some people were like, I'm burnt out. I'm working so hard and I don't, it's not the same fun it used to be because the creativity is stifled. Maybe, you know, it's like somebody has a great idea and they go, well, it's too late in the life cycle to worry about that. Or that's not what we're doing for this game. Put it in your back pocket. Maybe it'll get talked to. But ultimately, a lot of developers realize that, like you said, you're not trying to shoot for 100 million players and hoping half of them come back to play the game more than once. You're not just focused on that. Well, we reached 100 million metric. You're going, I have 10,000, 100,000 players who are consistently playing my game, who really enjoy my game, engage with it, engage with the community. And I think any developer would be thrilled about that, you know, that it obviously every developer would love to get 100 million concurrent players playing all the time, but I think having like a smaller engaged community really allows the developers and the creators to really foster what they want in their games and really allow them to focus on what's going to keep making that game better because you get continuous input from your community and that's not something you see in traditional gaming until after it's released you know either whatever memes or whatever people complain about and then it's like okay well that's that stuff isn't going to get taken to heart until maybe five six seven years down the line if and when there's a sequel you know whereas if the community is like hey i really loved this we would have loved if you did this. You're like, well, that's something we could start integrating now or start working on and figuring out now and be like, and, and it's ideas maybe you wouldn't have thought of just like with modding where so many, like you said, so many mods turn into great games where you're like, that was never anyone's intention. But if somebody, I've met some people who um part of their game and I don't expect you all to do this or I'm not asking you this, but some people when they've released their Web3 game, one of the things they're doing is they're like, we immediately want people to be able to mod it because we want to see what people are going to create or do different for our game. And if that creates a spin-off game, we're more than happy to be a part of that and support that. And so I think that's an interesting thing, too, of, like, the community gets excited about the idea of helping basically foster, create, guide this game, so to speak, that you don't really get to see in traditional gaming. It's always the main game comes out, and then the mods are where the communities, you know, powwow around and really guide
2: or create these new, unique experiences. 100% yeah. collective development. I think that's something I've been pitching as a gamer for so long to other gamers is I'm like, look, guys, we have a chance. This opens a whole new door. You know, collective development is something we've seen be successful in even Web 2 games. Uh, If you've ever heard about the Pillars of Eternity story, like back when they were trying to kickstart it. Right. I think anybody who's read Blood, Sweat and Pixels knows that story really well. And one of the reasons it was such a success is because of that collective development so that's always stood with me because i was actually part of that i was one of the initial kickstarters me and my buddy cage were just huge pillars fans so we followed that from the beginning but yeah it's amazing i love it i can't wait to see how that evolves too because those sdks you're talking about that kind of facilitate modding from a ground zero maybe even more you know i've seen games that are working together with people who come out and want to get their hands on the sdk before the game even goes live. And they're like, hey, look, come and test it out. Come and see what you like. And if they have suggestions, I mean, it's a really good way. It's almost like a scouting ground for those games to be able to bring on the right people, maybe new team members, maybe um, just different leaders and thought leaders and developers in the community. It helps them. So why wouldn't you, right? Especially now that we've got to this basis of, I think, the royalties aspect. And this is something I wish more games would do. But if you have something that's good, like let's say League of Legends skins, right? And they were to have that market be open and tradable and transactable for player to player and then take a royalty cut of that. I just can't imagine how the revenue would skyrocket on something like that. It'd Just be phenomenal, right? But yeah, anyways, I just wanted to throw that in there because that's such a big thing. Um, I'm super passionate about collective development. I think it's the biggest highlight of Web3 Gaming in my personal opinion.
0: Yeah, it's in in my top three for sure. Just, Just noticing it so much. I think it's just been nothing but a good thing for gaming space you know web 3 and you know it's it has much more influence in web 3 but you know traditional gaming too i just think it's nothing but a good thing for the space period
1: yeah like the whole stuff happening in roblox and everything i can't wait to see what happens in the next cycle of those kids that have found their passions because i find it to be a way of finding passions and after axie infinity had its dip you have people that spun off as uh social media marketers podcast people content creators uh, somebody who helps us actually get content for the games is still working with us. Um, there's all kinds of engineers, right? There's just everything like you just kind of spin off and, and have found something because you were asked to help. And then you found out you like what you're doing more than it doesn't feel like work. And then it actually helps people, you know, find their passions like I did. And I really, it sounds funny because like a lot of people look at games as entertainment. And for me, I am so my soul was found through gaming on what I love doing and I don't work. Like I haven't worked all my life is how I kind of look at it. Yes. It's hard work. What I do, but it all feels great because I found it through gaming and that's all I could wish for. Um, in the bigger picture of all this and unreal Fortnite, uh, that new modding system is looking amazing. I think a lot of stuff's going to be coming from there and we're actually speaking to a few teams right now on taking the, Last Remains IP handing it over to them to make Fortnite mods. Um and actually that might come out before our game comes out um <laughs> in some senses, right? So so definitely huge ethos over here at Earn on on wanting to make sure modding is at the forefront.
0: Yeah, no, that's amazing. Honestly, I'm really looking forward to that. So, y'all I guess is Last Remains officially on polygon then or are you on a multitude of chains? We're on Polygon,
1: and we. The way that I look at this is that chains. This chain war is going to be very interesting. Call it a war or not, like it is making it more difficult for people to onboard. I missed out on a mint the other day because I needed to get gas, and like I just couldn't. Even with my credit card and MetaMask, I couldn't get past the KYC, and then there's another meeting, and then boom, you know, I missed it. Like. I just, yeah, it sounds crazy, but I missed it. So um, I think uh, we will support multiple chains. I think um, it, it starts digital though, All right, I think everything needs to start traditional. I don't understand why people think we can pay for the, the gas of every single drop in an MMO. That's not going to happen. Um, I think things are going to stay traditional and then you can kind of bridge your way to a chain of interest, to a market of interest, and it will be important for these chains to create interesting markets, um, and that's where hopefully we will come in. But yeah, today it's Polygon, um, but I had to throw in my two cents on on you know the chains.
0: No, that's that's a good thing because um, I feel like most of the projects I've spoken to, it's either uh, like specifically ones in Dubai. You know, like there are some new chains popping up in Dubai, and so it's more so just like, a, well, we want to partner with local local chains it's like people who are in our community people we're working with versus you have other where they're just like well polygons where all the gaming's going so we just kind of went on because it's easy to develop on versus people like yourself where they're like we're happy with polygon it works great but we're completely open to the idea of bridging to other chains and going other places because um, like at the end of the day like the chain is just like kind of a means to an end for people to interact with our game and especially our tokens or tokenization rather so I, I don't I think you have the right idea in that sense of being like come what may you know yeah gas fees are gas fees are going to continue exist and hopefully at some point you know with all the promises that keep coming with lowering them they'll actually lower but for the time being that doesn't seem to be going anywhere unfortunately um yeah i can't imagine it right avalanche had a, a moment where
1: whatever wallet they had stopped paying for the world's gas fees or something like that so um, i might be butchering avalanche versus Avax. So i always get confused between the two so definitely don't quote me but it's um, it's interesting that how I look at it is chains are trying to act like the new Nasdaqs, right? Which is so cool, like to be able to create something that big and be in the middle of it and programmatically take a fee. Like there's no way you can get around that. That's that's awesome. I love the concept, but you can't put that in every single app. Like that's not how the world works. We We have so much stuff for free right now. We install things, we tweet things, we like things. You know, there's some apps that you got to, pay the gas for a comment, you know, like that's not going to, that's just not going to happen um, is, is how I look at it. And I'm, I might be pessimistic and happy to be proven wrong. Um, but I believe what's good is markets. And if we can find a way of like blockchain, just like the um, World of Warcraft auction houses, Diablo auction houses, like these are the things that I'm like, okay, we have something very tangible in this world and we, it actually makes more sense on the blockchain world because it's safer. It transacts, it allows you to get fiat. you know, It allows you to get USD and all these other currencies that are not just within the digital world. Um, that's how I look at the benefits of, of blockchain technology for games. And, um, and I don't think saving gas fees on it is there. It's only when you're ready to go bring it to a market, when you're ready to go transact and sell. Um, some people are like, well, let's protect it so every time I transfer an item to another player... Let's take a fee off that. I'm like, that's not how it works. In a game, I want to be able to give my gear to max like for free. Like That's just how we're used to it. We can't go backwards. And I hope the world hears that and feels that in the next couple of years because we could go forward right now. Uh, we just have to design it in a way that's acceptable. Oh,
0: no, completely. Was there was there any particular, because sometimes with some of these games, especially in Web3, people take like a sort of inspiration from other traditional games, but they want to make it different, have a unique spin on it. Was there any traditional games that you kind of took your inspiration from or inspired you to make your game the way you did? Or were you really just from the ground up, you're like, we know what we're interested in theme-wise and we just want to create a unique, different experience? Um, I would say stealth games.
1: Uh, so we're talking like Assassin's Creed, Elden Ring were two two of the major ones that that came behind Larry. And Larry is our, our main game designer and creative director who is really the the poster child behind the scenes, uh, around this. So that's probably, he's a hardcore street fighter fan who is now in his forties, who just doesn't have the hand eye coordination reaction stuff anymore. Right. So he turned to stealth games and, um, and really hardcore stealth games like Elden Ring. Um, so that's part of the, the, the inspiration. The second part is you make your Daisy, you know, kind of zombie left for dead, you know, stories. So, how do you mix that? Like Daisy was awesome until the hackers came into play um, and they didn't have a battle royale element to it. Um, and then of course, uh, extraction games uh, where you can actually bring out stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, I would say those are probably the main, the main ones, but the combat is, is being influenced a lot uh, as of late. So Max, is,
2: is there anything you've been seeing that's been adding into the mix? I mean, ultimately, it is that extraction element. Uh, I've voiced this for a very long time. Actually, I've said that extraction open economy games are one of the best suited next to trading card games for Web3 integration just due to the fact that the game itself really incentivizes scarcity. Um, It's very consumer-heavy, where a lot of the times you play these games and you actually end up losing, especially if you're bringing things in, right? You lose more than you bring out, so scarcity is a big factor of it. So, And also the the performance-oriented, um, I'll call it extraction, because it is very much extraction, where you have people who are primarily your biggest contributors who are also, quote-unquote, your biggest extractors, right? It's funny we use this term extraction because we also use it in Web3 talking about people who bring liquidity and, and value out of the economy. So it, it's hilarious how it mixes together, but I think that it fits very well. So for me, it's just the extraction element. But I think a big thing about last remains in particular that i've had a lot of people compare it to which is another game that's very close to my heart is it has a lot of the last of us feel to it and that pub g feel like a lot of people jump in and be like oh wow did you guys call it last remains on purpose i feel such a last of us vibe to this and i'm like no 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 that that was not intentional you know actually sure but was right telling me <laughs> yeah right he was like he was like this is PUBG meets assassin's creed with zombies and i'm like yo that's dope and then everybody's like wait this feels so last of us and i'm like oh, you're 100% right. There's so much vibes here, right? Um, So that's the only thing I'd put in. I'd say if I was to give somebody like from a perspective point of view, the vibe you're going to get is going to be very Last of Us, but in our own unique spin, right? Like we're keeping it novel. It's definitely not a rehash of the game um, by any sort of means. It has so many different elements to it that are really, really, really unique. But that's the only thing that I'd add in there for inspiration. I think unintentionally, but still it came apart. It definitely is apparent in the game.
1: I'll, qu- I'll quickly mention like what that means for everybody is that when you mix battle royale and something like a stealth game, it means that you can't just go run up and whack zombies. And that's like the main <laughs> thing that happens is you'll see somebody spawn, you'll see somebody just try to go punch the zombie, and you're like, yo, that's you're dead. You're done. That's it. Your session's over. Like <laughs> you just you don't do that. <laughs> so stealth games is where you gotta really use sound to get around and navigate through zombies. Zombies are obstacles. And if you do get behind them, you could essentially take them out. Um, but one of the cool features that came out this last week is that if that zombie makes noise, it will attract another zombie. Um, so sound is pretty key. So you really got to get a perfect takeout uh, because there's a ripple effect of noise. Uh, so it's it's pretty interesting. Um, what makes it super hard, super challenging, this is hardcore. And in the touch base on, you know, what's beautiful about Web3 again is that I'm, I'm sure everybody in the room would agree, is that we stopped making hardcore games because mainstream games cannot be hardcore. They, they have to have this progression. It becomes easy, which is less entertaining for us, and at least maybe in our 30s and, and late 20s, which we grew up on hardcore games. And, um, and that's where we can now come back and actually bring a hardcore game that might only attract 100,000 users, a million users. We'd be completely happy with that. Um, so yeah, this is hard, and, uh, and that's what we mean by stealth in Battle Royale, if it were to have a baby.
0: It is funny you mentioned The Last of Us, because that was the first thing I thought when I played it. I was like, oh, this is so great. It has the stealth like that. And I was like, this is amazing. I love it. And then as I was in the Discord and talking to people and seeing people comment that, and then y'all jump in and being like, that wasn't intentional, but really glad y'all like that aspect of it. Um, I thought that was really funny, because I thought it was intentional until people told me otherwise. Um, and I thought it was intentional in all the best ways. So, yeah, I, I want to do that because I'm I'm really bad at names. So I actually, call it
1: <laughs> the the Last of Us. Sometimes, so oh, I meant the you know the Last Remains. So <laughs> yeah,
0: I was like, I would have never messed myself up like that. <laughs> well, so then, I I think you I think I know y'all's opinion on this, but I'm curious to hear it. So, what do you think about like you know because y'all have been you're this hybrid approach. It feels like of um, you know you're creating a traditional game that's also going to be a Web three game. But I think you've seen as well as I that there's a lot more traditional gaming companies getting more involved in Web3. So like late uh, Razer launching their own Web VC firm, their incubator. Um, the former CTO of Epic is working with Yuga Labs. Uh, obviously Ubisoft is getting involved. But we have a lot of these basically traditional gaming companies kind of who are finally seeing like maybe there's some promise in Web3 gaming. And some people may think it's great. Some people may think it's bad. Some people may be somewhere in between. I'm curious if you all... Have an opinion one way or the other. Do you want to share on it,
2: uh, Max? You can you know, take
0: your first stab. I'm kind of curious on your your perspective.
2: Yeah, well, I think I have a very holistic outlook on it, and that is that um, first off, there's a lot of opportunity. Even though the space is very small right now, I think that this is like if we compare this to gaming, because at the end of the day, we said it before web three gaming is just the current. It's just how we're classifying the current transition and integration of a new technology. But you know, in the coming years, we expect it all to just be gaming. And this is just a this is just a subset or an addition of technology that allows us to offer more engagement and interactability within the gaming ecosystem. So I personally think lots of room. Uh, I'm very bullish on it because I also think that the one thing, and, and we've seen it, I'm actually going to bring up an example of it, um, but the one thing that Web3 Gaming is struggling with right now is bringing in the optics of gamers, right, and bringing in the interest and the appeal, and not only that, but just the acceptance of gamers. Gamers, I, I am a gamer, so I got to say it, but they're, they're, they're very particular. And oh my goodness, are they cranky when something is different? They don't like change. They really don't. Though they demand it all the time, they don't like it. And I think one of the things that's going to help this is IPs that have such a strong relationship built with their community. Something that can actually bring something like Web3 into it and not ruin people's appreciation for it are one of the best ways for us to be able to get adoption for the technology and just appreciation for it. Um, look at Dr. Disrespect, right? Like Dead Drop. I got I to gotta bring them up really quick. They have brought in some of the most incredible numbers, like viewer numbers and optics and even just consideration uh, from people who are big in the Web2 gaming industry. And I think this is a very big product. Uh, the Doc's following himself, right? He has so much strength in his community, some of it blind strength, but hey, it's working in this regard, that ends up bringing that to the Web3 space. And it's very beneficial because those people will come in and the same way I came in on one IP, which was Axie, and then spread into everything else, this is going to be the same opportunity for everybody else. And I think just slowly but surely as we pave away way at this and we see some of the bigger players, like if Niantic ever decides to you know, dabble in Web3, we're going to see a huge, huge boom from the Niantic community. Um, all those Pokemon Go players are already so primed for something like Web3 integration. So I'm bullish on it. I think it's really good. I think there's a lot of opportunity. And to be honest, I cannot wait for the first big name to come in and make a successful game with Web3 integration, because I think that that's going to be a turning point that's going to potentially create a model that others can replicate, to do the same thing because gaming has worked on this. We create precedence with a successful model. You know, other studios come in and potentially replicate that model with their own touch to it, their own creative take on it. And then we're able to see things scale and flourish from there. So personally, I'm very bullish on it, um, but I do think there's going to be some kinks to work out. Like even with Ubisoft, right? They had their first little dabble, which was terrible. did not work. They had to fully retreat. It was like that meme of the kid who comes running around the corner and then does a quick 180 and runs away. That was Ubisoft for a long time, but it's just going to take multiple attempts, and once it does work, we're going to see a huge impact from it. So I'm on board with it. I'm very happy to see it happening, and I can't wait to see the effects it's going to have.
1: For me, um, I'm excited. Like, There's two sides of this entire thing. There's people who want to see really awesome IP, like you know, Mario, you know, show up over here or something like that. And then you have me who's like, we need new games, um, new, what's the next game. Right. And I've seen many different phases of, you know, MMOs evolving to uh, a guard at IO being this web game that turned into this phenomenon um, to even watching uh, Battlebit. battle bit like years ago, I've been tweeting about them. Just, I knew that, this is after I touched it, I knew like this is going to be a, a hit, you know, and it's 70 million on the first week. So it's um, it's for me, I'm not I believe the game studios are wondering what's up. And if you talk to game designers, there's actually a big problem is how are you going to make more money uh, on on these static items, these economies uh, that, you know, have to have have to be controlled versus having loot boxes that you can print an unlimited amount of shirts. And people are paying for them. And you don't care. Like It's just, and, and the, yeah, they can't transfer. They can't do that. But we can make money by selling digital shirts. You know, it, it costs us a few hundred bucks to make. And then we sell them for millions, right? Um, and this is why Fortnite's laughing. Because they're doing that with IP. And they're doing it with their own art. So, um, so with that said, I believe this industry needs new, fresh ideas. This is why you can't take something like Hearthstone and just make Gods Unchained. Um, not to talk negative about it at all, but nostalgia is one thing uh, where you're playing something that you feel you know good about but when you play something fresh and unique for the first time that you get into a loop and, and you just can't stop, that's something you'll never forget and that feeling happens once in a while and that's what new games do is that and that's what we need to do in this space is that we do need to find out what's the next thing and the best next thing comes from mods you know, in my opinion like that's where, coming back full circle here so I think we need to be taking existing games um, and modding them uh, versus taking IP and trying to recreate them in this world and uh, and that's kind of a, a separate you know hope uh, that I have nobody's really talking about that right now but I would love to see you know IP like lineage 2 or um, you know even world of Warcraft um, in the MMO space um, or if you go to just you know games like um like clash royale what would be the version 2.0 that you've always wanted to make and remake it um here in this space for this economy um so yeah i think a lot of players uh, and designers are trying to figure out how to monetize in this space without a bull market and and i believe it is actually just creating a new fun game with the niche community
0: yeah no i really like and appreciate both both those responses Look, I, I know you both are short on time and I have one more question if you can answer it. And really, it's it's pretty simple. It's just, what advice would you give younger folks starting out on their Web3 journey, the Web3 project? Maybe just starting out trying to figure out, you know, they've listened to both y'all. They want to even get maybe just a quarter of the way to where you're at. Is there any, you know, advice you think that's guided you to this point that has really
2: helped you get through everything you've gotten? Oh, I'll start because Coop, I want you to finish it off because I think your your feedback's important on this. Um, but my thing is just... First off, I say this to everybody, if you want to get involved, especially now, no being early is as much an opportunity as it is a responsibility. A lot of people come in here and they have this intention that, oh, this is a great opportunity. I'm going to get rich. I'm going to do that you know, just understand that's not the outlook, especially on the gaming side of things. This is a responsibility. We're trying to pioneer a new revolution of technology and gaming. It's not easy. It's going to take some hard work. And honestly, it's going to take some open-mindedness and effort. So just make sure that if you want to come in, it's a great opportunity, but it is also a responsibility. Take that responsibility and do with it, do right, so that we can help actually bring the gaming space to somewhere where I think it's going to benefit us as gamers and game developers in general. So that's my take on it. Um, But the advice really is on the other side. I said there, be open-minded to it. It is a lot of information. There's a lot of new perspectives here. Some of it experienced, you know, people like Coop who've been in the space for a long time. Some of it new. Myself, I'm a gamer turned, you know, game developer and uh, and an individual who's helping drive growth in new Web3 games. But I think that all of it has value. So be open-minded to it and be able to learn. We're all students here. Even people like Coop, he's learning every day, right? Just always be open to that. So that'd be my take. And uh, I'll let you finish it up, Coop.
1: Yeah, I think the, the basis of a lot of my decision making um, is, is around people, how the challenge is. Is it challenging? Is it a fun challenge? And then passion. And if you can get all three of those, you're going to be high on life every single day, um, which is very, very hard to do. But if you can get one of them, it can motivate you enough to do great things. Um, So what I mean by that is people is if you could find a good community that you relate with, that you enjoy speaking to, that you're not just trying to connect with, that is a signal that you should continue to participate there and not look for, you know, getting rich, you know, and all those other things like it's going to come naturally in different ways. If it's wealth, if it's uh, a job, if it's an opportunity, it will come naturally by just connecting with people that you feel naturally connected with. Um, And then looking for challenges. If you like hard challenges, if you're that Sudoku person or you're a hardcore gamer, if you can find something in the space, being making a game, being a programmer, being an artist, being something, um, and it's challenging and you're wanting to grow and you, you know, but it's so much fun to grow because it's challenging and that's just some way to hack yourself. um, Do that, like focus on that area. And then, Last thing is passion. If you've already found your passion, you know what you like to do, figure out how you can contribute in this space with it. Um, Because naturally you'll be able to spend 18 hours a day if you really so wanted. Not that I'm boasting that you should, but I'm just saying it will not feel like 18 hours a day if you're doing what you love. And if you know what you love to do, figure out how that can work in this space and then do it. And again, if you can do all three, high on life. You're going to be out of bed at like 6 a.m. in the morning. You don't need a coffee and uh, you're going to be really excited to start your day. So um, that's that's the basis, very almost uh, spiritual, but if you can hack it in that way, that's how I work, and, and it really does help me wake up excited every day.
0: No, I deeply appreciate that from both y'all. Max, Coop, truly, it's been an honor, been a blast having you all on. I really appreciate you taking the time speaking with me, speaking to all our fan bases, and I'm really looking forward to everything that comes with earn alliance and last remains and uh once y'all finally launch would love to have you have you on again to discuss maybe a z token which we don't we don't have to get in that was something i wanted to touch on but we'll touch on on a later date <laughs> sounds good man, it's
2: been a pleasure likewise thank you
0: well friends that's another episode down If you enjoyed this podcast, we would really appreciate you rating it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you can rate and wherever you listen to and get your podcast. It would mean the world to us and help get this podcast to people who truly are involved in Web3 gaming, blockchain, and cryptocurrency and want to learn more and stay on top of these emerging technologies. If you have any queries, want to reach out about any collaborations or advertisements, as well as want to reach out with any improvements you think we could make on the podcast, please email us at theweb3gamer at proton.me. We would love to hear from you and take every
2: response very seriously. Take care and keep gaming, my friends.